Uh, right, hello everyone and welcome to the first proper Consumer Friend podcast. Consumerfriend.org.uk is a new website aimed at increasing the awareness of people's rights when they're buying goods uh, online or, or services or in shops. Uh, we're looking to do this through some fun social media on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter through the website and through these podcasts. If you like them, tell your friends, subscribe. If you don't like them, please tell us. You can get in touch with us through the website. You can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible and most other good podcast providers. It is also available on our website and yes, I did figure out how to do it. Um, so since the first podcast we went out went out two weeks ago, we've had a huge amount of feedback, mostly good, saying this is exactly what we need in the UK, simple, interesting, free advice. And we've had a few questions coming through on our LinkedIn page. We'll go through some of those towards the end of this podcast. Please keep sending in your questions. I know Louise loves to figure out the more tricky ones. Uh, I am joined today uh, by Louise Baxter, MBE, co-founder of Consumer Friend with myself and Sophie, who you met uh, on the last podcast. Uh, she's a training standards professional and an all-round amazing person. How are you today, Louise? I'm all right. Yeah. It's sunny, isn't it? The weather is lovely. It is a beautiful day. So, um, yeah, we're recording this on the Sunday before the mega heat wave, which is going to happen over Monday, Tuesday, <sighs> when we get to 40 degrees. It is lovely out there. Going to have a little bit of a barbecue later, I think. Nice. Uh, so today we're going to concentrate on your rights when you're buying goods from shops. Uh, a nice, easy one to start off with, you might think. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to try and ease ourselves in a bit, a bit, a bit gently. Uh, is it that easy, Louise? Well, I think it's easy, but then I understand the regulations. So hopefully, by the end of this, we would have provided information from the regulations in plain speak. Because actually, most people that work in regulations speak in regulations, which people don't understand. They do indeed, and it's quite tricky and annoying and boring as well. How do you find? How do you find reading legislation? Oh else? God, it's dull. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it dull? It's just so boring. So, yes, we're looking at buying goods actually in shops. And people might say, oh, hang on a minute. Surely everyone buys stuff online now, don't they? Everyone's going online, buying Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But you might think that it's not not necessarily true. Um, Just been looking at the Office of National Statistics, the, uh, the stats around there. And we saw a huge increase in March 2020 when the pandemic hit. It rose from 19% of all retail sales Uh, were conducted online in February 2020. That hit uh, a high in May 2020 to 33%. But since then, it has been reducing. And since the beginning of this year, it's been reducing by quite a large amount. It's now down to 26% uh, of all retail sales conducted online in May 2022. Quite confusing, but I love a good stat. So we are still getting out there and buying goods from good old-fashioned shops. So we're going to look at the Consumer Rights Act 2015. Louise, do you want to give us a bit of an outline of it? Well, I'm just going to start with, obviously, you love a stat. <laughs> do, do, do people find you fun at parties? No, Adam? absolutely not. <laughs> I don't, do you get invited twice to I parties? I don't really go to parties. <laughs> you want, and you wonder why? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm okay with it. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you're you're happy in your stati- stat- statistician self. <laughs> right. So, Consumer Rights Act. Uh, it's a massive piece of legislation. It came in in 2015. It was brought in to help simplify uh, the way that uh, people can action their rights. So, goods, in my opinion, is fairly simple. You buy something in a shop. It has to be uh, of satisfactory quality 
fit for purpose and as described. Right. So therefore, it needs to be fit for the purpose that you bought it for. And it needs to be of the quality that it should be on. So satisfactory quality, which can be subjective, which takes into consideration the price you paid for it, uh, the use that you're going to use it for, um, the finish, all of those things, durability, all of those things it takes into consideration. If it's not satisfactory quality, fit for purpose or as described, you are legally entitled to a refund replacement or repair within 30 days. Within 30 days. Really in a nutshell. Yes, so okay. refund refund is within 30 days. After your 30 days, it's repair or replacement. And the repair or replacement is whichever uh, causes you least inconvenience, really. So satisfactory quality. If I'm buying a, I don't know, a, <laughs> you know the cheap stuff you can buy on uh, certain websites that come over from China and they're like... Uh, for example, my boys just got some light-up shoes. They were 12 quid from a very popular online seller. They turned up. They worked for about two weeks. They're those shoes that, that kind of do disco lights on the sole. And they're, I mean, they're oh, great. I like those. I want some of those. <laughs> they're, they're, they're I want some of those shoes. But after about two weeks, they died. What, what do I do with that? Well, they should look... They should last longer than, than two weeks. So in that in that case, you would be able to ask for the person, that you, the trader that you bought them from, for a refund or a replacement or repair, whichever one you chose at the time. But they should last longer than two weeks. But obviously, if you, if like the old adage, you buy cheap, you buy twice. So the price is a factor when you're talking about satisfactory quality. So if those shoes were £200, you would expect them to last longer than a pair of shoes that were £12. Okay, and that's, sorry, and I, I know we're supposed to be talking about buying goods from shops, so that's that's the same whether I buy that online or uh, in a shop. Well, the, the, the yes, the, the rights in relation to whether something should be satisfactory quality for purpose as described are the same whether you buy them online or whether you buy them in a shop. But like as we're saying... Uh, because of the pandemic, a lot of people moved to online. But now, we're, as you've said, people are moving back to buying things in shops and people like to actually see what they're buying before they buy it. So if, for example, you went into town, I went into town today and I went and bought, uh, so Florence, some artists, Frost, my daughter, some artist pencils. And I got home and each lead broke in those artist pencils. Well, I would be entitled to take those back and get my money back within 30 days. If it was after 30 days, I would be able to go back and get a refund, uh, a repair or replacement. In with pencils, you're obviously not going to get a repair, so it would be a replacement. Okay. What if I didn't like? What if I didn't like it? What if I I went to I went into town, I bought some stuff, and I took it back to back home. I thought, oh, you know, I don't really like this. I'm going to take it back. What, what happens then? What's my rights then? Oh, legally, you don't. Shops do not have to give you your money back for change of mind. So if you buy something in a shop face-to-face, you are not entitled to your money back, a repair or replacement, if it's just because you've changed your mind. Like, you've got the colour wrong, you've got the size wrong, you just decide that you don't like it when you try it on or whatever it is, they don't have to give you your money back. But a lot of shops will do that because they want the repeat custom and it's about their customer services policy, but they don't have to do it. And a lot of people think that they are entitled to their money back, even when they're not. Okay. So if I don't like it, I can't necessarily get my money back, but... A lot of the shops are going to do that anyway for me because they want because because they're good they're good guys. Well, say that some of the big uh, retail um, shops that sell uh, elect- electrical goods, electrical items, they won't they won't give you your money back if you change your mind. Okay, and and with regards to as described, then surely all the all the goods in the shops are have got like a, a price label or a description. Why why would they not be as described? Well, not always, not always. So if, if for example, uh, this is an extreme example, but I wanted to buy a sleeping bag that did minus 40 degrees because I want to go mountaineering 
I'm not going mountaineering, just to be clear, but if I wanted to go mountaineering. And then I went and slept on the mountain. Hang on. And actually, this, I, this, this could lead, lead down a, deep, <laughs> a, a, a dark... A, I'm not entirely sure we should go here. And you went and slept on the mountain, and, and, oh, and what happened? I went and slept on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm taking this... I'm, I'm going to finish it. I've started, so I'm finishing now, right? <laughs> and I went and slept on the mountain, and the, mount, the sleeping bag I'd bought that was supposed to be minus 40 only actually worked up to minus 20. So, therefore... I lost a couple of toes. Oh, no. My, my sleeping bag is not as described. So I would be entitled to my money back. Thankfully, it was only a couple of toes. And I'm pretty sure um, we need to come back to this sleeping bag in future podcasts. <laughs> I think maybe we do. <laughs> okay. So fit for purpose, as described, and a satisfactory quality. Um, there's also... But description as well, description as well, is right. so anything a manufacturer has said as well. So it's not just about what the person that's selling it, anything that's in a manufacturer's description or in advertising, you can rely on as a consumer. If you've relied on that description to, to make that, to buy that good, to buy that item, you can rely on those descriptions that you've read. Okay. Uh, what I really wanted to talk about was the, the a reasonable ma- amount of time so it's got to last for a reasonable amount of time. Now that is yeah. really quite vague, isn't it? It's it's not. It doesn't give you any kind of set mm. purpose. Now, does that depend on the amount that you've paid for the product, or does it? Well, it depends on the item. So if I went and How long if, I went, to if I bought, a, a, let's say, I bought a TV for for fifteen hundred quid, and it doesn't work within a year, or I mean, let's let's go let's go over a year, a year and a half, it it, it breaks down. What are my rights then? Right, so it depends on the item. Again, it's subjective. So it depends on how long that item is supposed to last. So what what is reasonable to expect a TV to last? So in a TV case, you would expect it would last longer than a year. You would so there's there's legislation, there's a limitation act. So in England, um, it is six years. So you've got six years to action a claim. So when you buy something, you it's and then say a, a fault appeared on it four years time, um, the fault was deemed to have been there on the date that you bought it. So you've got six years from the date that you've bought something to take to take action against that breach of contract. So that faulty item is five years in Scotland, but so but most things aren't supposed to last for six years. So it depends what well not most things it depends what you're buying. So a brand new car you'd expect it to last yeah. more than yeah. uh, more than six years. Uh, a fridge freezer I would probably say the same, but a washing machine, say a, a heavy duty washing machine that you're going to use twice a day every day might only last you 18 months and that might be reasonable it's what's reasonable in that space for that particular item so who decides what's reasonable well it's a research thing so it ultimately if you were going to dis- so if i went to i bought a washing machine and it went wrong after 18 months and i went and said look you need to repair it and they said no because uh, it's it's only supposed to last 18 months um i would have to argue and provide evidence to say it was supposed to last longer than that so ultimately if I was really going to fight it, I'd go to court and then I'd end up in a court situation and a judge would decide. But it's about the evidence that you would provide at that at that point. You would speak to other retailers and say, look, how long would you expect this to last for? You would look at that, speak to the manufacturer. You would do internet research, that sort of thing, to be able to dispute what the other person, what the trader was saying if they said it wasn't supposed to last that long. Okay. It's tricky. It it's a, tricky. It is a tricky one, isn't it? It is a tricky and, one. And what... And what we find with a lot of, so for smaller purchases, like you talked about the shoes, those £12 shoes, a lot of people aren't even going to bother. No. And so people become almost apathetic to it. So people are used to spending very little amount of money on, I mean, I don't want to say cheap tap, but sometimes it feels like it is. Uh, it feels like it's, it's just 
cheap rubbish that's just throw away disposable clothing, whatever it may be. Um, so why is it a good thing that we should be going and challenging these traders and these sellers to get refunds and to, or to demand, not necessarily demand in, a, in an aggressive way, but to ask for refunds or replacements or repairs? I think I think there's a couple of reasons why. One, people don't know what their rights are and they think it's too complicated, which is why we're here Ooh. to actually say that we take take the heat out of it and take the complexity out of it to provide quicker information, easier information for people to understand so they know what to do. Uh, I think it's even more important right now for people to start challenging because it raises the marketplace. It ensures that businesses also don't always know what consumer rights are either. So if consumers know and consumers are arguing in the right way, then businesses raise their standards. Um, cost of living crisis at the moment, that £12 for the shoes could mean the difference to somebody for a week. Uh, and it's only going to get worse with the fact that well, obviously with the austerity measures and cost of living and all of those sort of things, actually it's more important now that we start to challenge those things so that we get our money's worth so that we drive up the standard of the of the goods that are being sold and of that customer service and and the fact that we want businesses to legally comply the same as we want consumers not to be asking for things that they're not legally entitled to. So it increases the standards of these businesses and it helps it helps them understand what products are good and what products are bad and where, where they get their, their goods from. And it, and it provides an equal playing field for businesses as well. So the ones that are complying and want to do the right thing um, means that everybody else has to raise their standards as well. And the ones that aren't doing the right thing will stand out because customers make the one of the biggest selling factors for consumers is reviews. So it's those other people's reviews. So mm-hmm. businesses don't want negative reviews. They really don't because a, a business, a consumer will then look at those negative reviews and potentially not shop with that person. What if I bought something from a shop and I damaged it myself within 30 days. I like dropped it down the stairs or I dropped it. I, I, I basically dropped it and dented it and broke it and it stopped working. What, like, what are my rights? Like then? your phone, like your phone again. I like my phone. I mean, yeah, every month I drop my phone. I, I was, I was actually going to discuss my phone on this podcast, but I realized that I have damaged it and dropped it far too many times to have any kind of rights now. Uh, but yeah, if I was, well, you definitely, you, you definitely can't have rights now because you've just outed yourself on a public <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, so if I, if I damage it, what are my rights there under the Consumer Rights Act? None. You don't have any. So it's misuse. So like, again, if I use my minus 40 degree sleeping bag in minus 100 degree conditions, I'm not using it for its right purpose. Oh, honestly, I'm, I'm never going on a holiday <laughs> with you. I'm not using it for its right purpose. So if you misuse it or you damage it or you don't treat it right, then it's your fault. Anything that's your fault, you're not going to get your money back for. Or you're not going to get a repair or replacement for those things either. It's like, like again, when you talk about phones, water damage on phones, they're not going to repair it if it's water damage. If you've put it in the washing machine, which I've done, or you put it in the bath or you, I mean, I know they're quite waterproof now, but those things, um, you're not going to get you're not going to get a repair or replacement for those things because that's your fault. That's a misuse issue. There are other things as well. So if you were to buy a, if the item that you've bought from a shop is over a hundred pounds uh, and you bought it on a credit card, you can also speak to your credit card about getting a refund as well. Because under the under something called Section seventy five of the Consumer Credit Act, the credit card company has equal liability as the shop does. So for that breach of contract, so if it's not again satisfactory quality, fit for purpose, or as described. Um, then you would be able to get your money back from your credit card as well and put in a claim with them. But, so there are ways to do it. But I wouldn't need to do that if the seller was sticking to their to their obligations. Yeah. A bit, I mean, sometimes there's going to be a dispute, isn't there? Because I can go, this is faulty. And like, say you're the seller and you're going to go, well, no, you've misused it. And I'm going to have to then 
But so this is where for the first, um, <clears throat> is it how many days is it for the seller? This is a test, Adam, little quick quiz for Adam. How long, so the burden of proof, so let me try and explain that in the easiest way. So who has to prove, who has to prove that the item, who has to prove that the item is faulty? So right? uh, you know who has to prove that the item is faulty? I know Adam, this, so I know this, but only because I was, only on, I was doing a bit of research about, about an hour ago, so I do know this. So if it's faulty, you're generally entitled, there's no questions asked generally within 30 days. If it's before 30 days, there's generally no yep. questions asked. If it's between 30 days and under six months, it's up for the seller to up to the seller to prove that it was fit for purpose at the time of purchase. So it wasn't faulty. That it wasn't that it wasn't faulty at the it time. Wasn't of, it wasn't faulty at, at the time, time of purchase. Sorry, yes, wasn't faulty at the so time of purchase. Any time after that, any time after six months, it's up to the consumer to prove it was faulty at the time of purchase. Is that right? After six months. After, after six, six months, months yeah. yes. After six months. So if I bought something and it was uh, week 25, so then the, well, the well, person How many, I how many it months from, is week 25? Well, well, there's 26. There's 52 in a year, so 26 would be six. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't work that out. That you're, the, you're, the, you're the statistician. <laughs> really? Right. right yeah. So week, week 25, that business has to prove that they sold that item to me without a fault. After that, I have to prove that the item is faulty. Okay. Something called the reverse burden of proof. Wow. I, I, know. I don't need to know about that. I can just come to you every time I've got a problem, yeah? Well, yeah, but we can't have everybody <laughs> coming to me when they've got a problem. We need them to be able to understand it via podcast and trained into. Trained into on the website. Um, on the website. Okay, speaking of questions from the audience, I think you had quite a good one, didn't you, um, through the I LinkedIn did. page around... The washing was it a washing machine? No, I don't actually know what the item was, but this was from a chap called uh, Ben Mulhall Sutton. He um, he said he said that we can use this on it on the podcast. Did I he say we can him. use his name? Uh, well, yeah, I asked him whether we could use the scenario. So I'm, I'm, I, he said it was all fine with him. So I, he said, I bought, I bought an appliance online, which was delivered two months ago. I left it boxed and moved house, moving the appliance myself. I unboxed it today to find it damaged. And the retailer says they can't replace it because I have moved it from one address to another. Does the six months rule not apply here? And I put, yes, it does still apply. You would legally be entitled to a replacement or repair under the Consumer Rights Act um, as the goods are not of satisfactory quality. So he hasn't unboxed them and it would be for the trader to prove that they sold those, that item without a fault. Make sense? Uh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Adam. Oh, Adam. I, I'm, I'm, I zoned out a bit. But you zoned out a bit. Excellent. Right. So they bought this was a this was a, an appliance that they bought. Okay. Right. And then they unboxed. They didn't unbox it. So and then they, and then, they, they, mo then they moved. So it's up to who they to moved. do what. Well, that well when they've unboxed it, they said that it was damaged. Right. So the retailer, because it's still within the six month period, okay. has to prove that it was sold without a fault. Okay. And the, but the retailer won't be able to do that though, will they? Well, then they'll have to repair or replace it. Or unless the damage, they can look at the item and they go, the damage doesn't make sense for something that would have happened from us. That's the other thing. They would they would have the opportunity to examine the goods. But they're always going to say that, though, aren't they, to avoid having to, having to give uh, away... Which, which, really. which is always what my concern with this water damage on phones. And, I mean, I, I had a problem with my um, uh, my AirPods and... I sent them back. They were, they were faulty within a year. They were going going quiet. And I sent them sent them off 
and they came back and said, oh, they've got water damage and they're not, they're not water resistant, so unfortunately you don't get a refund or a replacement. I was like, well, I can't prove that they haven't got water damage. Well, you could. You could get them examined by somebody else. You could argue that they weren't water damaged. Well, they probably were. I go running in them, so it was probably quite sweaty and horrible. Yeah. Well, but but then you could you could get well yeah that's gross Adam that's gross um, but you you could get you oh you could get someone else to look at them to say no actually this this isn't water damage you you could you could rebut their claims shall we say so okay. if someone says this is yeah. water damage and you think it's something else you have to prove that it's something else I've got it I've got it but and I, I genuinely think there's too comp you're making it more complicated than it needs to yeah, be yeah fair in, enough in that's what I, that's what I try and do. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I try and try and stick to that apathy True. thing. Oh, it's it's too hard to do, but it's not it's not really that hard to do, is it? Yeah. You just just do it. Just say, yeah, it's it's um, it's faulty. Was there another question around a Amazon Alexa enabled speaker? That I seem to remember. No, this wasn't. This was bought in a retail. This was bought in a retail premises. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of our friends who, who bought in a retail premises. He went and bought a, a speaker that he said was Alexa enabled. Now he thought. So when he asked the person in the shop, the salesman in the shop, he he wanted to be able to speak to the speaker. If I say her name again, she's going to go off in my living room. Uh, to be able to speak to her, to tell her to play music. What it turned out was when he got it home, he could link it to one of those ladies in another room but he couldn't link it he couldn't talk to it directly so it wasn't fit for the purpose that he specified so back to my sleeping bag i needed a sleeping bag that did minus 40 degrees so i specified that when i went to buy that sleeping bag that sleeping bag was not fit for my particular purpose so there's two there's two parts of fit for purpose fit for the general purpose that is supposed to be used for but if you specify something and say i needed to be fit for this particular purpose like the voice enabled part and it's not again you would be entitled to a refund replacement or repair Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, I know we're going to cover this probably more in depth when we do our on buying goods online podcast, but I think we should probably just just kind of um, just do a bit of a light touch around delivery of goods. So if I was to go into a electrical store, buy a washing machine, and ask for it to be delivered on a certain day, a certain time, whatever it may be, what are my rights if that product doesn't get delivered? Well, you need it delivered within 30 days or you can have a refund. Okay. So if the seller then tells me it has been delivered and they've got, a, they've got it signed off to say it has been delivered, but, I, I, but it actually hasn't, then what are my rights there? Well, they've got, deliver it exact, they've got to deliver it to you. So it can't just be dropped outside your house or sent to a courier. It has to be physically delivered to you. So unless they've got your signature, which is actually your signature, or proof that they've delivered it to you, then you, then, then you haven't received it. It's for the for the business to ensure that you receive the item. So I would go directly to that trader, would I, to say this hasn't been delivered, and then they would they would yeah. look into it and then figure out why it hasn't been delivered or if it's been yes. stolen or something, whatever it may be. Yes, yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Um, do you want to say anything else around the Consumer Rights Act when buying goods in shops? No, I don't think so. I think we've 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 made it as simple as we possibly can. I hope. I hope it's easy to understand when you're buying things in shops. I also think it's really applicable to uh, younger people as well. Whilst we like, I like to buy online because it's quick, it's easy. I can do it from my living room, and I can spend like it's like it's like paper money. It's like monopoly money. <laughs> I think. <laughs> but I do think that um, younger people, like my daughter, she's twelve. She likes to go shopping. They like yeah. to go and buy things in shops. Go out with their friends. 
go out with their friends and buy things in shops. So I think it's really relevant that we ensure that younger people have this level of knowledge because, again, you're cons- you could potentially be vulnerable and have consumer vulnerabilities because of your age. Um, and also, if you're trying to enforce your rights in a shop, some shops may not hear you if you're a 12-year-old. And actually, mm-hmm. we need to empower these young people to give them enough base knowledge to be yeah. able to go into shops to be able to enforce their rights. Because they are also, they are the consumers of the future and you don't want them to have a, a bad experience or, or not engage with certain markets because they've had a, a really negative experience. Um, the only other thing I would say as well is from a business perspective, if there's businesses listening to this, uh, really they need to really be aware around consumer vulnerability, but also things around um, increased mental health, anxiety, and the fact that people find it very difficult to have a voice in this space because they feel like it's a confrontation and it can increase anxiety. So Make it easy to complain if people need to, make it accessible, make it plain English and try to resolve it as quickly as possible, saving time and stress for everyone. Um, and just identify those people that might be struggling and may need additional assistance mm-hmm. to actually get their complaint in. Um, and consider the fact that um, some people have low resilience to uh, financial shock. So that 12 quid to somebody could be a really big deal. Like whilst we, whilst obviously we have to make the podcast as interesting and as funny as possible, uh, any financial shock at the moment for people. Uh, my hose broke, right? My hose broke, which I used to water my allotment, and it caused me so much stress. And then I had to package it all up and send it back, and it was a big package, and that was forty five pounds. And actually, I was like, I haven't got forty five pounds to get another hose. I did manage to get a refund because that's my job and it would be a worry if I didn't manage to get a refund for my faulty hose. But it does cause additional stress for people. So just to be aware of that from a retail perspective. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, okay, that that is the end of the Buying Goods podcast. Thank you very much, Louise. That was great. Um, nailed it, Adam. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> obviously, more information on the Consumer Friend website, consumerfriend.org.uk. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're not too sure what we're doing or what next podcast is on yet, are we? We haven't decided yet. Might be, ser- no, haven't decided. No, maybe <laughs> services or maybe yeah. not. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll but see. yeah, thank you very much. Um, please like, subscribe, leave a review, do whatever it is you do on the podcast platform that you use. Uh, and thank you very much. And we will uh, speak to you again soon. Thank you. Enjoy the sunshine.